The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Circling the Bases. I'm Connor Rogers alongside NBC Sports, DJ Short, Yahoo, Scott Pianowski. We have our third base preview today for Fantasy Baseball. A lot to get through with this group. And if you've missed any of the episodes so far, first base, second base, all around the infield, subscribe to the feed, Circling the Bases, or watch on YouTube. So, DJ, I'll start with you. Looking at the third base position What's the storyline that kind of stuck out to you this offseason or when you were stacking your rankings, which we'll get to both of your top 12s, that kind of jumped out with this group? So what's interesting about preparing for these episodes is that I actually use them to prepare for my own fantasy draft. So when we're doing all these episodes back to back, first base, second base, shortstop, you start to get a sense of which positions are the deepest. We just got done what's maybe the, the most quality position out there, especially in a shallow mixed league. If you have the 12th shortstop, you're still feeling good. Third base, that's not the case. It's more of a top-heavy position. There's certainly some tiers involved here, but I'd say if you have the top five or six, you're set up really well. There's a lot of questions after that. So just looking at those differences between the positions, and it also tells you the things to prioritize going into a draft. Yeah, I, I agree with what DJ says, that these shows are not just prep for the listener. They're, they're certainly prep for me, and... I'd also like to remind you that Yahoo Fantasy Baseball is open for business. So get your group back together. It's a great place to play. They have an award-winning app. I have nothing to do with it, but it's great. So <laughs> hope to see you over there at Yahoo this year. Scott, take the credit. You have everything <laughs> yeah. to do with it. I will, I will defer the credit. I'm Wayne Gretzky. I want to I want to set up the goal. I don't want to <laughs> score the goal myself. But this is you look at this position, a lot of guys in the middle of their careers, right? I mean, at some of the other positions, you, you, we have a lot of rookies to talk about. There is one notable rookie at third base that we'll get to eventually. But – it's a lot of guys in their age 28 seasons, their age 31 seasons, their age 32 yeah. seasons, which I thought was interesting. I, I agree it's certainly not as deep as shortstop. I'm trying – I go back and forth on first base or third base, which position I feel better about. The reason I link those together is because in a lot of Yahoo leagues or any fantasy league, you're going to pick a corner infielder. And my question is where, where would I want to lean – whether it be a, a second third baseman or a second first baseman. And I guess it depends on at what point are you dipping in the pool. One nice thing you do get, though, in the second half of the third base pool is a lot of these guys play other positions. Most of the time when somebody's yeah. a first baseman in fantasy, that's it. They're parked on first base. Maybe it'll be a DH sometimes, but you're not getting anything out of it, else out of these guys. Some of the cheaper players at this position, like the Brandon Drury's, the, the Josh Rojas's, yeah, Urias, DJ LeMayhew, these are guys who may be 
not just a third baseman for you on, on one day. They may be your second baseman. They may be your outfielder. Yeah. They may play some shortstop, whatever it is. So at least you get that flexibility there. But for the most part, the top of the position is your third base only guys. And these are, again, a lot of guys who are on the mid. They're just about making the turn in their careers, which makes them kind of interesting to study for fantasy purposes. All right, a reminder, every season is draft season. Get your Roto-World Draft Guide bundled today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Roto-World Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code BUNDLE5 and save an extra $5 at checkout. Eventually, we're going to get to your top 12. But before we do that, guys, I want to go through the news of the offseason. Unlike shortstop, this one didn't have... All of these multi-hundred million dollar deals. One major extension, of course, the Red Sox extending Raphael Devers on an 11-year, $331 million contract. And then you have some signings that are in a different tier. Brandon Drury goes to the Angels, two years, $17 million. Justin Turner on the back end of his career signs with the Red Sox for two years, $22 million. So, I mean, DJ, I'll start with you here. Obviously, Devers is the most noteworthy, but at the same time, unlike the other guys, We've seen Devers in a Red Sox uniform already, so how much does that really change for him? Uh, I think what changes for the Red Sox this year is it's just a different feel to their lineup. We talked about that this in the shortstop episode. Well, So while I like Devers, and, and we'll get into this with the rankings, I worry about the supporting cast there. I think we're so used to the Red Sox lineup being deep that now that it isn't or at least has questions, you're feeling less secure with some of the other counting stats that are more team-dependent. Uh, like RBIs and runs scored. So that he stayed put does matter from a fantasy perspective. Scott, what do you think of that group? The uh, I guess we can call it the big money group. We could even look at a guy like Yandy Diaz in here that signed for three years, $24 million. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't not mention Devers only because I agree with DJ. What does lineup protection mean to me? It's not so much that they're going to throw you a strike or not. It's is somebody on base when you're up and is somebody going to knock you in when you get on base? And this is probably the weakest Boston lineup they've had in 10, 12 years. I mean, this, you get to figure they're the weakest team in the American League East with Baltimore, nice resurgence there, and the other teams are all teams that think they can win the World Series. Maybe, maybe Baltimore thinks that too. I think they're misguided if they feel that way, but maybe in a couple of years. But Boston's usually a fantasy destination. As much as I love yeah. Devers, I'm not going to draft into him proactively. It's really hard to say that. The other side with the Red Sox now, Justin Turner, coming aboard, obviously not going to play third base with Rafael Devers being there, but that's kind of okay. I mean, I think Turner being a regular DH is exactly what he should be doing at this point in his career. Maybe helps him stay on the field a bit more, uh, allays some of those injury concerns. Maybe the Green Monster steals some home runs from him, but he's still going to put up some decent numbers, hit for average. I think as late as he's going, he's he's pretty useful still. Three more minor transactions. Angels acquired Gio Rochella from the Twins. The Nationals signed Jamer Candelario on a one-year $5 million deal, and the Brewers signed Brian Anderson on another one-year $3.5 million deal. So obviously, guys, there's a lot of players outside of your top 12s that are more waiver players, I would imagine, with this group. Do you think any of these guys are even drafted? Probably not, but Anderson, I I like. Um, I like the ballpark fit there. I think he's kind of an undervalued player. Uh, and he's someone who's shown some potential with the Marlins playing in a terrible ballpark for offense. So I could see him being a sleeper, but not necessarily someone you would draft in a shallow league. He's someone who's more of a deeper league flyer. 
But there's a real chance he gets some run there with that Brewers team. Yeah, those are guys you'd be, once you're filling up IL spots or somebody's gone sideways for you in, in April or May, maybe you're picking them up. But I wouldn't be drafting them in a standard casual Yahoo Fantasy League. How about some buying fading here, Scott? We'll start with you. Who's a player that, compared to draft position, not necessarily a player that you're entirely out on, but you're seeing him go earlier than you would prefer so far? I hate doing this. This is just the way I, I generally draft. Gunnar Henderson's the hot prospect here. And look, he, he got a cup of coffee with Baltimore last year and looked the part, but it's not a great hitter's park. This is one of the few teams. We always hear about these teams moving in the fences. Baltimore recently moved back the fences, and they want to play a, a pitching and defense kind of style. And just because he's the shiny new toy, I just feel like you're going to walk into a lot of drafts and people are going to be elbowing themselves out of the way yeah. to draft Adley Rutschman, who's a you know, going to be a superstar. He was very good last year, almost won the rookie of the year, even though he came up late. And they're going to want to draft into Henderson. The Orioles are kind of a, a buzzy team right now. And I think that's going to meet, make him a round or two overpriced at the draft table. Yeah, I, I actually have Gunnar Henderson as a buy. So maybe I'm going to be drafting him in our mm-hmm. league, Scott. I, I will be jumping at that opportunity. I like Gunnar Henderson more than O'Neill Cruz. And, and I don't understand why Cruz is considered safer than Henderson because the thing that Henderson has is plate discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, strikeouts were a little high when he came up last year, but he's always had a good approach in the minors, not afraid to take a walk. I like the power-speed combo. He hits the ball hard. I think there's so many things to like with Henderson. Uh, to me, I'm I'm going to be all over it. How about a fade for you, DJ? We know you're you're higher on Henderson. It sounds like you're buying compared to Scott. But who's a player that you're fading? Uh, A. Eugenio Suarez uh, with the Mariners is who I'm fading this year. The power is excellent. I'm not going to question that. But he struck out 31.2 percent of the time last year. Hit just 236. Uh, his xBA was 220. This is someone who hit 198 in 2021, 202 in 2020. If that batting average comes down, it could be a tough pill to swallow to use him on a regular basis. And he's just a player you're going to need to balance your lineup with. So you're going to need to balance it out with a high average guy like a Jeff McNeil or Luis Arias. I just see more safety in someone like a Matt Chapman who fits a similar profile but has a better lineup around him better power park and Chapman actually strikes out less than Suarez. So for me, I'd go after Chapman. That's interesting because I actually, I, not that Suarez is necessarily a target player for me, but he did hit 236 last year. His career average is 250. I wonder if, look, I'm give, I'll give anybody a pass for the 2020 season. It doesn't excuse yeah. what he did in 2021. But remember, in his final year with the Reds, they were trying to make a shortstop out of him. He was just a fish out of water there. And sure. I wonder if that screwed up his hitting a little bit. And I like... Seattle, do they have a top five lineup? No, but I think it's a top 10, top 12 lineup. They were obviously a playoff team last year. And the, the, you know, Rodriguez is a really fun player. I, I like the way this offense is constructed. And right now, for whatever it means, you know, early in February, Suarez might bat third to start the season. So I, I think I'm a little bit more optimistic on him, understanding that there is batting average risk there, and you're gonna it's going to affect the profile of the rest of your lineup. You're going to want to want somebody who hits 280 to offset what Suarez will hit. Even an optimist yeah. would have to say, well, you got to project him for a below average batting average. I get that. But I'm willing to give him excuse. 2020 was just a weird year for everybody. 2021, they wanted him to play shortstop. That was just a misguided assignment. He made a bunch of errors. He got off to a horrible start. I'm willing to give him a pass for that. He batted 236 last year. If I can get that again with the 30 home runs, I think his ADP makes a lot of sense. Now, DJ, you gave one away already in Gunnar Henderson, but what are a couple buy options here compared to their ADP in this group? 
So I like Alec Bohm to take another step forward. So his ADP right now is 183.4. And he had a good year last year after getting off to a really slow start. Of course, we remember that game uh, in Philadelphia where he said, I I hate this uh, bleeping place. Uh, He ended up loving it, actually, as the Phillies made the World Series. But he also made a nice turnaround offensively and defensively. And I think getting comfortable defensively helped him at the plate, getting through those struggles. And the thing about Bohm is he lowered the strikeout rate last year. If you remember in 2021, he was at 26.6% strikeout rate, which you don't want to see. It was all the way down to 17.4% last year. So a huge change. He hits the ball hard. I think if he could continue to put the ball in the air more often, he did increase that launch angle last year. If he can continue to do that, I think he's someone who can hit 20 home runs. He's someone who could steal five to 10 bases. I love that lineup there in Philadelphia. I think he could be a value play. Still just 26 years old. Scott, what about you? Are you in on Bohm or is there somebody else as well that you're buying in on? Yeah, you know, I really wanted to get Bohm into my top 12, but there was enough talent at this position that he didn't make my cut. But I'm glad you mentioned him and I'm glad he came up because I agree with everything DJ said. Pay attention to the launch angle. Just a few more fly balls would go a long way with him. And another case of where a player comes up, we're excited, and then his career gets off to a so-so start. We just kind of forget about these guys. He's still just 26 and in the right ballpark, in the right lineup, although we'd like to see him maybe move up a little higher. He might start the hit season hitting seventh, but I think he's a good target and at least is going to meet his ADP. He may exceed it, somebody I would like to draft into. Talking about a guy we're all excited about who people are kind of over, this is a, d- a little bit of a different tier, but Alex Bregman, I know he's caught up in the, the Astros scandal and all that. And I think people just, he almost won an MVP a couple of years ago. I think people are kind of over Alex Bregman a little bit. And last year at this time, we were worried about how healthy he was. He was a much better player in the second half. His OBP, I think, went up by 120, 130 points, something like that. I think he's back to somebody who might be a top five MVP guy. He's going to bat third in a Houston lineup that the top six or seven is ridiculous. They're going to score runs by the truckload. And, and he's still at an age, at 28, 29, I think he is, Bregman. I think he's going around too late, and that's that's a big difference for somebody at his ADP. You know, don't talk about somebody 15th, 16th round. I think he's just mispriced in the market right now, and I, I want you to get in before the market corrects that. We're going to be saying in the middle of the season, well, how did we let that team who's blowing our league away, how did he get Alex Bregman like in the fifth round or the fourth round? That's crazy. I want you to jump in on that while it's available. How about a couple late-round flyers here, guys, players to keep an eye on? We already talked about Gunnar Henderson, who's, uh, I don't even know if you can call him at this point, maybe a late-round flyer, but somebody like Jordan Walker on the Cardinals. We know that they have Arenado in place, but Walker maybe a guy that still makes the team. Josh Young on the Rangers and Spencer Steer on the Reds. DJ, out of that group, uh, putting Henderson aside for a second, who's the guy that jumps out to you? Jordan Walker. This guy is a freak of nature. Six foot five, 220 pounds. He could be could be a tight end in the nfl i mean he is a freak and i mean you look at the numbers he posted uh he's posted so far in the minors 33 home runs 36 steals through 201 pro games has a real chance to win the starting right field job during spring training so i would say if there's any player you want to watch this spring and see how he performs it's walker the current adp for him is 261.99 on, on nfc i could see that number shoot up a hundred, maybe more by mid-March. He's going to be that buzzy name. He has that much potential. I think he has a real chance to make the opening day roster. I'll play the teammate game here. I like Brandon Donovan outside of pick 350 
in St. Louis, qualifies at three different positions. We talked about Tommy Edmond, concerns that maybe he may get bumped down the lineup. Brandon Donovan could be somebody who could be moved up the lineup and right now qualifies at second, third in outfield in most leagues. So I think somebody, he may be not be drafted Donovan in a lot of leagues. He may be somebody, again, once you're filling up IL spots or once somebody gets hurt for you in the early part of the season, you pick him up or or maybe you see an opening to, oh, well, well Brandon Donovan's in second. Maybe I want a piece of that St. Louis lineup. And a couple of guys who I think are really good values on the Angels. Uh, Luis Rengifo, I think we might have talked about in an early episode, second base, mm-hmm. third base eligibility. He might be their super utility player when the season starts, but I don't trust Anthony Rendon a lot. If we went deeper on the fade list, I would just probably just tell you not to draft Rendon. It's no fun, but I think his body has betrayed him. You can get Rengifo about pick 290, I want to say, in, in NFBC right now. And Brandon Drury was brought in after his best season, but he's always been a guy who just needed playing time. He has three positions of eligibility to start the season. You'll get him around pick 195. The Angels. I look. I get how everybody looks at the Angels, right? It's Otani and Trout, and then people just ignore the rest of the roster. I actually like their line. I think it's the best lineup they've had in a while. I think they could yep. be kind of a sneaky, maybe eighty-five win team. And a lot of the pieces on this offense are going to be inexpensive. Uh, Drury around pick one ninety-five or Rangifo a hundred picks later. I think they're really solid depth ads. They're not going to win a league for you, but you're going to be glad. You know, fantasy football is about stars. You have to have the best player. There's like five or ten guys. If you don't have a couple of those guys, your team sunk. So much of fantasy baseball is going to be the depth of your team. How good is the middle of your team? Is your fourth outfielder better than your opponent's fourth outfielder? Is your fifth starting pitcher? Do you have a second or third closer when other people don't have them? The league goes – fantasy baseball is a lot deeper. It's a, I'll be fair. It's a lot more work. It's a lot more complicated. The good news is I feel like anybody can win a fantasy football league. That's a feature or a bug. You can decide wh- which way to go on that. You have to be a smart manager to win a fantasy baseball league. And a lot of times it's won by these guys in the trenches, like a couple of the angels I just mentioned. I, I'm going to stay on that angels tip for a second. I mean, and wh- why the angels have failed in recent seasons, no depth. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that they've, gotten this offseason and hunter renfro we'll talk about him uh when we go through outfielders i think that was a sneaky pickup by the angels as well uh this offseason and provides really cheap power consistent cheap power i like what the angels have done this offseason i'm a little bit more of a fade on on drury i'm afraid he's going to fall into more of like a part-time role even if you look at the numbers he had last year 955 OPS against lefties, 757 OPS against right-handers. If he falls back into that platoon role, he's just not going to be worth his current ADP. Before we get to rankings, two players on the radar, not locks to make the opening day roster. Brett Beatty, of course, had a cup of coffee with the Mets last year. Homered in his first at-bat down in Atlanta, and uh, the Correa signing fell through, but still not expected to be their everyday third baseman out of the gate. And Curtis Mead for the Rays. Scott, looking at these two guys, do you think they can come up at at a certain point of the season and hold down an everyday job, or do you think they're both still a little far away? I think there'll be factors in the final third of the season. What I like is they're both on teams that are World Series contenders. I mean, the Mets are probably right there with any of the favorites, and Tampa Bay's they're always smart, right? They always outkick their preseason over-under. So when you look at prospects, sometimes the problem with prospects is if they're on the wrong team, if they're on non-contenders, it's like, okay, they're going to play the arbitration game or they, they don't want to get that clock started, all that stuff. The Mets and Rays just want to win games. At some point, it will just make sense that Beatty is one of the best op- one of the best nine options, one of the, one of the best infield options for the Mets. He'll come up and the Rays want to put their best team on the field. So I like the fact that they're actually, you might think, well, 
they're on really strong teams. They're blocked. I think it's more of a case of these are teams that want to put their best players on the field. And ultimately, the Rays and Mets will do that in maybe the final 50 games of the year. So the thing with Meade, he only played 20 games in AAA so far. So I think we're going to have a longer wait for Meade. Beatty's pretty much ready. I I think it's just a matter of opportunity. Uh, He is coming off that torn UCL in his thumb. Uh, I think he's going to play a lot in the spring because so many Mets are going to be involved in the World Baseball Classic. So he's going to get plenty of at-bats against major league quality pitching. And, you know, we'll see how he fares. But uh, if you look at his max exit velocity, just in that brief time he had last year, he was 89th percentile in the majors. So, I mean, that's that's a good sign when you start to think about long-term power projection. Uh, and Eduardo, Eduardo Escobar is going to start the year as the starting third baseman there with the Mets. But let's say the Mets need help out of the DH spot, which is a really an open question for them going into the season. I could see Beatty slipping into that, playing, you know, going 50-50 with Escobar at third base, and uh, anything could happen from there. But I think as soon as Beatty is ready, uh, he's going to be mixed league relevant right away. All right, a reminder, download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. All right, guys, what the people have been waiting for rankings, the top 12 from each of you. Uh, we will go 12 to six. We'll let both of you go take a little break here and then we'll go five all the way down to one. So, DJ, we'll start with you. 12 to 6, maybe a little one-liner on each guy. So I have Alec Bohm at number 12. I kind of already went over my case for him. I, I think we could see him take a step forward this year. But even like Scott said, if he even if he doesn't, I think he can match this ADP. 11, I have Matt Chapman. I already went over him a little bit. Uh, even though he hit 229 last year, makes some of the hardest contact in the game. I think the power is safe. Uh, number uh, 10, I have Max Muncy. Uh, really had an up and down year last year, R- rushed back from a torn UCL in his elbow, but played much better down the stretch. Had 12 homers, 826 OPS over his final 60 regular season games. You figure a full offseason arrest, he could come back and uh, really be a value there. Uh, number nine, I have Jose Miranda uh, with the Twins. Not the flashiest name, 
and kind of had an up and down rookie season as well. But there was one stretch there, 60 game stretch, where he hit 327 with 11 home runs and a 912 OPS. Wear down a bit down the stretch, but that happens a lot with rookies. I think we could see him take a step forward uh, in 2023. Number eight, I have Gunnar Henderson. Already went over my case for him, why I like him so much, the power and the speed. Alex Bregman I have at number seven. We talked about him a a lot as well. I think he's perfect for that Astros ballpark, and those Crawford boxes will keep his power elevated there. I have Nolan Arenado at number six, uh, just aging really gracefully has reached 30 homers and 100 RBIs in each of his first two seasons with the Cardinals. I think he'll keep it going. Scott, what about you, 12 down to 6? Yeah, I love it's 12 to 6. It makes me think of all those great Greg Olson or Tom <laughs> Tom Gordon curveballs, right? The 12 yeah, to 6 yeah. snapper. Uh, Matt Joel Chapman is my 12 guy. Any piece you can get of this Toronto lineup makes a lot of sense, and we know Chapman's defense will always keep him in the lineup. You'll have to probably offset his average elsewhere, but I'm willing to do that. Brandon Drury at 11. I know DJ wasn't in on Drury, and that's fair, but I like the position eligibility. And if anything, what he did is replicable. I think the Angels made a nice addition. They finally have more depth in that lineup. Jose Miranda, he's a very boring kind of stealthy pick. I bet in casual leagues, he goes two or three rounds later than his NFBC ADP. Mm -hmm. So be open to that. I don't think Eugenio Suarez's batting average risk is as bad as some other people do. And he's hitting third in the Seattle lineup. I like he's going to hit 30 home runs. I can excuse the two lost seasons he had in Cincinnati. One of them was pandemic. One of them was a defensive-related issue. So I'm more proactive to Suarez than maybe the market is. Gunnar Henderson, although I did talk about some concerns about drafting him, still the upside, I can't ignore it. My number eight third baseman. I have Bregman at seven, but... His NFBC right now is 77. That's a giveaway. You're not going to get that in late March. I want you to draft early on Yahoo and take advantage of this Begman, Bregman discount. You, you get him like the fifth or sixth round. It's crazy. It's He's batting third in Houston, man, and he's healthy now. We saw it in the second half of the year. Nolan Arenado, number six, easily could have been the MVP last year. It was an MVP that was won by Goldschmidt, but Nolan Arenado aging very gracefully the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen. I think he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory, and the Cardinals have a deep lineup I want to invest in. All right, guys, before we get 5-1, to one, and then we'll recap the notable differences in the entire top 12, not to give anything away. Uh, Nolan Arenado comes in at number six for both of you. Did he miss the top five here just because of the upside of talent in the top five, or was there any other reason? I think there's just some younger names ahead of him. I I think with Arenado, we've probably seen his best season. He's not going to be a 40-homer guy. I don't see him touching some of those RBI numbers that he had in Colorado. Can he be a 300 hitter again? Probably not. So that's where the difference is for me. And also, uh, you know, another factor for him is that he's not a big on base guy. Like, that's just never been his, his way. Scored 73 runs last year. Like, that kind of stuff matters, too. So... For me, just a little bit of a tier behind. He falls into the Bregman tier and Henderson. But I think that top five, there's, there's just a clear separation there. For yeah, me. we have to be a little bit nervous that Arenado was so much better last year than he was the two prior seasons. And one of those seasons was a Colorado season. So into his age 32 year, as DJ mentioned, we've already seen probably the best season Arenado will have. When I'm going to spend a big ticket on a third baseman, I'd like to think that we haven't seen his ceiling yet. And I feel like with Arenado, that's already been, that's already come and gone. I mean, he just had the highest OPS plus of his career by a fair amount. Now, granted, OPS plus, it's not only is it not a fantasy category, but it will hold Colorado against him because it's yeah. a park adjusted stat. But when you have somebody who pro- may have had a career year 
at age 31, I, it makes sense just just to keep your feet on the ground. Arenado is going to be good. I just don't. I want to pay for 90, 85, or 90 percent of what he did last year. I don't want to pay the full freight on that 2022 season. All right, DJ, back to you to round out the top 12, five to one. So mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, Raphael Devers. So I have, an, I have him at number five. And when you are in the second round in drafts this year, you're going to have a choice. Devers, Austin Riley, Manny Machado. They're all going to be in one little block in the second round. And it's I think it's going to vary by drafter, by preference. But for me, I'm going to put Devers uh, as my number five third baseman just because I see more upside with those other two. Uh, I think lineup matters. Um, and supporting cast and that sort of thing. So that's why I have Devers at number five. Austin Riley, I have number four. And I love Austin Riley. He is the real deal. Uh, his batting average did fall down a little bit last season, but that was to be expected uh, after he had a 368 batting average on balls in play uh, in 2021. But across the board, his quality of contact is elite. And he's even a little faster than you would think. I, I think maybe he could steal five bases this year. He had two last year, but I think he could chip in a a little bit more there. I love that Braves lineup. I think he's legit as it can get. Manny Machado, I have number three for my third baseman. Uh, he was on an MVP trajectory the first half of last season before you know Goldschmidt jumped out in front there. But you know hits the ball extremely hard. I think a full season there with Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back, uh, Xander Bogarts it can only help him from a counting stat perspective. Bobby Witt Jr. qualifies at third base and. Uh, you know, what, what he can do from a power speed perspective is is great. He has the volume there in the number two spot in the Royals lineup. And I said in our shortstop episode, I think he can steal 40 bases. Um, I also think we'll see, you know, a step forward from his uh, his approach at the plate as he gets some more experience here. Remember, he's he'll be 23 in June. So, you know, he has some time to learn on the job there. I think we'll see him take a step forward. And Jose Ramirez, uh, my number one fantasy third baseman. Not a huge surprise. Ramirez had an amazing first half last season, fell off from there because of a thumb injury, uh, had surgery on that during the offseason. I think we'll see a more complete season from him in 2023. So have no doubts about Ramirez being the number one fantasy third baseman. All right, Scott, you're up. You're a top five. Yeah, I'm the same names, not in the exact same order, but I have Austin Riley at five, a good example of how players can improve and build themselves into superstars, which is Raleigh has done. And, and he has the buoyancy of a very deep Atlanta lineup. Bobby Witt at four, but you, you could take him at two if you wanted. The next three guys could be in any order. Royals aren't going to be particularly good, but at least the top four of their lineup is good. It, it gets really ugly at the bottom of the lineup, but they come out, they hit you with four really good hitters to start. So I think Witt won't be maybe submarine by that team as much as people think. Raphael Devers at three against the worst Red Sox team they've had probably in five or 10 years. So if somebody wants to take Witt or Riley over Devers, I get it. But man, he's just such a misunderstanding that left-handed hitters actually do great in Fenway Park. You know, go look at what Carly Strumsky did there, Ted Williams or Fred Lynn in 1979. I'm dating myself a little bit here. I don't know why Lynn ever left the Red Sox. Probably should have been the MVP that year. But it's a really good park for a left-handed hitter. And I think Devers made a smart move staying there, although he's going to wonder where everybody went when the, when the lineup was in. <laughs> As great. Manny Machado at two. The fact that Machado, Soto, Tatis, Bogarts are all on the same team, man, that's just unfair. Um, Machado, sometimes it's easy to get lulled to sleep because it never looks like he's like, he's got such an effortless style that I think people maybe miss 
take that for him not caring or, or him maybe being a little bit lazy. He, he's just supremely talented and a guy who could be a gold glover at, at probably multiple positions. And as DJ said, he was probably the MVP of the league until the final month of the year. Maybe this year he cashes that check. The only question I have about Jose Ramirez, he's my number one third baseman. He's going to be everybody's number one third baseman. He currently has the number two overall ADP yeah. and just with the, the entire pull and play after Trey Turner. DJ, if you're picking second in a league and Trey Turner's gone, is the Cleveland lineup good enough for you to take Jose Ramirez number two? I like the addition of Josh Bell. I, th I think that Josh. adds a different dimension to that uh, Cleveland lineup that could help him from a run scored perspective because they just don't have boppers in that lineup. They don't. Uh, so I think that'll help, but that's that's a lot to put on Josh Bell. Uh, and I think you're right. I, I think when you're looking at the top of the board, obviously you're looking for five category upside. Is Ramirez a 300 hitter? No, he's not that hitter anymore. So you need to get enough from those other areas to make it worth it. I don't know. But the thing is, there's so many questions at the top of the board after Turner for me, uh, getting into a larger discussion about the first round. You know, is Julio Rod Rodriguez a, like a 30-30 guy or 40-40? I, I don't know. Are we going to see the real Ronald Acuna Jr. this year? Is Fernando Tatis going to come back and be elite? Is Juan Soto going to bounce back after what he did last year so there's enough questions where you know what maybe Ramirez is pretty safe maybe he makes sense there are you more of an upside or a floor guy when you're taking one of those early picks I'm, I'm more of a floor person for sure I, I think when you are taking your first round pick you are taking the player that maybe won't give you first round production like guaranteed but you're like this is the safety that I secure in the first round, that's that's going to be the, the not anchor for my team, but really lead my team, and I can build around it. Yeah, I like the way you frame that. You know, sometimes people will talk about how often does a first round pick in fantasy baseball return first round value, and I don't even care about that so much. Right. If you just told me that I would take Ramirez or Acuna or Rodriguez, or we didn't mention Aaron Judge, who could be in that right. discussion as well. If you just told me I got a, basically a full season and he was one of the top 10 hitters, top 15 players in fantasy, I'd be thrilled. Even if he returned like second round or third round value, I'd be like, okay, that's a foundational brick. You will not right. lose your league because you draft Jose Ramirez. He ends up being you know, the 14th best hitter. It will ultimately yes. come down to how you fill up the rest of your roster. So that's why yeah. I think there's a time to play with your hair on fire. And I think every year in fantasy, that becomes a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier, but I'm with you. I'm a little, like all these guys have upsides. That's why they go in the top 10 of a fantasy draft or in the top five of a fantasy draft. But floor is probably a little bit more important to me than it is the average fantasy drafter in that position. So I, I think we agree on that, on that point. Yeah. And I think we talked about that during the first base episode when you're, when you're saying for uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Versus Freddie Freeman. Mm -hmm. I mean, Freeman has been the safest first base pick for what, like six years now? And there's a, there's a reason for that. And there's a reason he's probably going to go in the late first round this year. Uh, Vlad Guerrero has that, you know, MVP upside where he could hit 45 home runs. But Freddie Freeman will be there every year like clockwork uh, being at, you know, maybe not first round value, but, you know, delivering that top 15 hitter value. Looking at the top five for each of you, I think the – the projection guy or the ceiling guy that stands out to me has to be Bobby Wood Jr., right? I mean, we've seen household seasons from Jose Ramirez, Machado, even Austin Riley at this point, Endeavors. With Witt Jr., and DJ, I'll start with you because you had him at number two overall. What is his ceiling? Because right now he seems like a bona fide 2020 yep. guy. He yep. may be a guy that one day, 25, 25, 30, 30, 
Uh, where does his ceiling lie? I mean, yes, it's the Royals, but this is clearly a special talent that you hinted out earlier in the show. He's not going into spring training even at 23. He is 22 years old for opening day. Yeah, so the thing with Witt last year, he got off to a slow start. He, he really did. He accumulated some useful counting stats over the course of the season, but for a while it was like, hey, now what's going on here? But over his final 98 games last year, he hit 274. I mean, 254 is the average that he finished with, but, but 274, I mean, I would take that as a useful batting average in today's fantasy game. But what that tells me is that he made progress over the course of the season. He made adjustments. That's the things you want to see from a young player. And the other thing that boosts his batting average potential is that speed. That Usually when you look at players who hit for a high batting average, it's the contact, yes, but it's also speed that boosts their batting average on balls in play. So I think the more we see from that, for, from Witt, that only helps his case fantasy-wise. And volume is a big deal. You know, Scott and I have talked about this a lot. Where are you hitting in the batting order? Witt's going to be locked into the number two spot, pick up a ton of at bats, he'll score runs, he'll steal bases. We've already seen the power potential there. Hit a 92nd percentile max exit velocity last season. To me, that's something you want to look at. There's a lot more power potential than the 20 homers we saw last year. Yeah, his walk rate in the minors was in the 7 to 9% range. Last year, it was just 4.7%. I don't have a problem. Not every player has to be walk-driven. I mean, sometimes you have a Vladimir Guerrero where, okay, he swings at anything, but he hits 315 every year. Don't question it. If Witt can just tick that up, be a little bit more selective, you know, the, the whole science of hitting thing with Ted Williams, you'll get the pitch that you want to hit. If he walks, if you told me right now his walk rate would be 7, 8, 9%, I still want him to keep that aggressiveness. I think, yeah. oh my God, he's going to hit for a plus average and be this category juice guy. I'm, I'm going to regret not taking Bobby Witt in the first round. All right, last one here, guys, to round out the top 12s that jumped out. Uh, Scott, no Max Muncy for you in the top 12. Is there any concern over Muncy or more just a case that he, he couldn't fit in over your 12 top guys? Yeah, maybe I, sh I should have had him over um, over Drury. That'd be totally reasonable. I've always liked Mac Max Muncy. He's a lefty who can still show power against left-handed pitching, which is important to me. It's just a matter of with the age pocket he's in and coming off an injury-prone season, I'm a little bit nervous to be proactive about drafting him. But he's also somebody that when I'm in a lead with DJ and he scoops up Max Muncy in the, in the middle rounds, I'm going to be nervous about that. So Muncy qualifies at second base and third base. Two positions which – which are not and which are shallow. They're you know, and I, I think getting that power, especially maybe you want to put Muncie at second base with how shallow it is this year. He might be more useful there. But certainly having those options over the course of a draft, like that's that's underrated too, is to grab that guy that, hey, maybe later in a draft you find someone you could plug in at third base and move Muncie to second. Uh, just adds that you know utility you could have on your roster. And if you missed our second base preview, uh, I'll just encapsulate for you. Second base is gross, man. You're going to spend a lot of time coming up with comfortable answers. And, you know, the Dodgers want Muncie to hit in the middle of that lineup. I know they don't have Trey Turner, yeah. but they still got Moogie Betts. They still got Freddie Freeman. They still got Will Smith. We'll see what J.D. Martinez has left. It's going to be a top five offense. Maybe it's not going to be like an overwhelming offense like it's been in recent seasons, but there's too many sure things in this lineup, and they think Max Muncy is a cleanup man. So and that's a feather in his cap for sure. All right, everyone, that wraps up another episode of Circling the Bases, another position preview wrapping up third base for DJ Short, for Scott Pianowski. I'm Connor Rogers. We'll talk to you soon.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.